and welcome to Beyond the Stitch, where we talk about the human side of fashion. I'm your host, Veronica Marinin. I'm the creative director of Litany NYC. And today's just going to be me. Um, usually Lily joins me, but she's got a lot on her plate right now, and I'm in a mood. Okay, so last week, Kanye West debuted t-shirts on his models at Fashion Week, and they had John Paul II's face on the front and the slogan, White Lives Matter, on the back. And I want to talk about why I think that people of faith should be upset about this um, and why those two things do not go together. There are a couple of things to break down here. First being um, John Paul II is a saint. Um, He's on the cover of this t-shirt. I have no problem with people drawing inspiration from our faith. I think they just need to um, draw it respectfully and understand what they're drawing from. Kanye West was not was not actually understanding what he was drawing inspiration from. He hasn't explained why John Paul II is on the front of that t-shirt. And who knows? Who knows why? Um, But I think it was very misguided to put him there and um, leads into appropriation of our faith in fashion. I've seen, you know, at least two different runway shows recently where they made it look like a church or they did it in a church. I don't know. Maybe they didn't do it in church, but it was set up like it looked like a church. Um, And in one of them, you know, the designer had a little throne for himself placed where the altar behind the altar, where the tabernacle would have been in a Catholic church. That is basically saying that I am God. And it's saying it by using the beauty of our faith to invalidate it. And that is also wrong. Um, And so this is why I wanted to talk about this, because I think that a lot of us can understand what it's like to have something that we love very dearly invalidated by someone else using it to promote a message that is hurtful to us. Um, and that invalidates the very thing that they're they're using, you know. And this is why I get so mad that Kanye is on placed on the front of this T-shirt that says "White Lives Matter" on the back of it, because John Paul II was very angered by racism. You know, he grew up in World War II during in Poland, and he had family, friends, and neighbors who did not make it out the other side of that genocide. And that was something that very angered him. It informed the way that he served as a priest, as a bishop, as a pope. And he even went on to begin this whole conversation about theology of the body, about how our bodies and our souls are one. What we do with our body, we do with our soul. He was saying that your your body, it matters. It's who you are. And so saying that your life as you are matters and as God created you matters is precisely what John Paul II gave us in his life here on earth on his way to sainthood. And then we have to get into the other second part of this. I just think it's a really good opportunity to talk about appropriation and racism in a context that touches a lot of people, right? Because there are a lot of Catholics who are white and who are annoyed when our faith is being appropriated and used inappropriately in fashion and in anything, right? All I talked about a little bit on my Instagram stories, um, and I was just going to leave it at that because as a white woman, I don't think my voice is the one that needs to be amplified here. Um, 
but then I had someone respond to what I was talking about on Instagram and saying that they really wanted to hear what I had to say, particularly about fashion and um, appropriation of different faiths and different cultures in fashion. And they also really would appreciate hearing me talk about this because as a person of color, it's very exhausting being the person always talking about this. Um, and so I'm going to preface this by saying, if I share anything that is not accurate, that, that seems uncaring, unthoughtful, um, uninformed, anything like that. Um, and this is, and you have a lived experience of being a person of color in our country or wherever, and you want to challenge me on that, please do. Like, I'm very aware that there's a lot I have to learn and I could say some dumb stuff and I want to keep learning and, um, yeah, and just be open to any criticism or challenging or teaching. Um, and also that's not your job too. So, <laughs> um, if you're confused why I'm annoyed about this shirt, why I'm angered by the phrase white lives matter, if you are annoyed that I'm annoyed by it, um, this portion is particularly for you. Um, and okay. So white lives matter. Also, I'm just talking about these things as, as slogans, um, not as related to like black lives matter organization or anything like that. Um, as a phrase, when someone says Black Lives Matter, what they're saying is they're drawing attention to something that is not paid attention to enough, which is that Black Lives do matter. Our country is built on white lives mattering at the expense of indigenous lives, Hispanic lives, Black lives. And it is really important for us to draw attention to that fact and to focus in on the people who are not being noticed, who are actually being harmed by the lack of care, the lack of attention to their experience. Um, and that is, you know, if you're a Christian listening to this podcast, like that is what our Lord consistently did is draw in people from the margins of society who were forgotten, who were not cared about, who either were ignored or who were actively harmed. Um, and he told them that they mattered. And he does that in a very personal and validating way, because that is the way that God loves us in a personal way that encapsulates all of our humanity, including our bodies. And we talk a couple of times on this podcast about why I got into fashion, why it means so much to me. And to me, I believe that our bodies and our souls are one. I don't believe that they're meant to be separated. That's why death freaking hurts so much and feels so awful because you know, it's, it's an effect of original sin. You know, we were never meant to be separated from our bodies because they are us. They're not just these shells. Um, and so that's why I believe in the resurrection of the body that, 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 you know, God will be all in all at the end of time in parousia. Um, and to invalidate someone's experience of their black life mattering it's not Christ-like um, to say, well, my white life matters as well. My all lives matter. Well, you know, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, yes, obviously, you know, I, I'm a white woman. I very much believe that my life matters. I know that it does. And because of that, I want to act like everyone's lives matter, particularly the people who are consistently treated like their life does not matter. And that is largely in our country, black lives. Um, I, you know, I, talk about this a lot um, from a more philosophical point of view. 
I'm going to get a little personal. Um, and again, no boohoo, nothing like that from me because I have a very privileged life and I'm very, very grateful for it. And my experience is completely minute in comparison to the experiences of my black brothers and sisters. Um, but I didn't experience racism firsthand in any way, shape or form until I was in an interracial relationship this past year. Um, and in New York city, you know, you expect it to be a very tolerant place. Um, you know, I would be walking with, with my partner on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and a complete stranger would say something to the two of us. This happened on two or three occasions and it was really painful and really harmful. One time was someone saying something to me about being with a black man and saying very derogatory and hateful things about him. And the second time was someone giving me a hard time because they didn't want a black man dating a white woman. Um, and both of those experiences were really hard. And it was really hard for me to know that he faced this every day just because of who he was, um, that other people did not, there were people out there who did not love and respect him in his entirety and how God made him as a black man. And that, you know, that I couldn't be there for him every time that this happened. And that there was this, it was really hard knowing that I couldn't take on that suffering for him in any way, shape or form when, you know, like that, that when I wasn't walking around with him, when I was, you know, going and running errands in the garment district, you know, living my life, going, getting groceries, um, that I was separate from this experience that I was treated with the, you know, deference and, and respect that I'm constantly being given as a white woman. Um, and that while I wasn't with him, he was experiencing this. And, and that, that I had the privilege of, of walking on the street by myself and not suffering in this particular way. And he didn't. And that this is something that is faced by people of color in our country. They can't get away from it, you know, and I didn't want to get away from it. You know, I wanted to, I don't know, take it on and, and, you know, carry it for him. But, um, you know, the, this experience made me realize that, you know, it's not something that just bothers you, um, partially through the day and you forget about it in the afternoon and you go see a movie, you know, it was an experience that knocked us off kilter for two weeks at a time. Um, you know, because your body's put in this fight or flight response, because you're living your life, you're vulnerable, your guard is down, you're enjoying your day, you're on the Upper East Side, for for heaven's sake, you know, and something like this will happen. And you're like, I thought I was safe. And now I'm remembering that I actually have to be on my guard. I can't let my guard down. I can't feel safe. I constantly have to be on edge and ready for someone to attack my personhood and be ready to, to deal with any kind of altercation that might happen. And, you know, it's not safe for me to enjoy my day. It's not safe for me to be carefree. And then we wonder why, you know, it's such a big deal for something like this to be on the runway. You know, this, 
fashion is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something that expresses your personality and your personhood through what you wear. And it, it's every, like racism is everywhere. And, you know, we don't really see it until we're close with someone who is not white and we deeply enter into their experiences and maybe even share it um, to the extent that we, we can, you know, because, and that also made me realize just the racism that we deal with in the church and maybe not at, like, maybe it's not always outward racism, right? But it's a lot of neglect because we would deal with this and we would be like, it would be really nice to, to talk with people about this, you know, in our faith and because our faith is so important to each of us. And, um, and we realized it wasn't that people didn't want to talk about it. It's that they didn't know that it was something that needed to be talked about. They didn't know that, um, that it was a struggle people were dealing with. And I think that hiddenness really deserves our brothers and sisters in terms of the way that we can enter into life with them. And then White Lives Matter is something that really doesn't pay attention or care to um, Black people's experience in this country, any person of color. And and it's it's very invalidating. Um, and so I think that there are two groups of people who could be feeling very invalidated by an ex- by a situation like this. And I want to I want to kind of hopefully bridge that gap a little bit or get a conversation started because I think it is kind of rare, especially in this environment where the internet likes to um, push out more and more extreme things and we get further and further away from each other's viewpoints and we get to these places where we can't actually step inside each other's shoes and all this stuff. It's rare to find something like this that so clearly has so many different people's, um, you know, just so many different people's loves in one place. And I think it's a good opportunity to talk about it. So thank y'all for listening. And thank you, Doug, for editing. <laughs> um, I don't remember if we have an outro or not. We have an outro, right? I think we have an outro. Um, cool. Also, y'all, the fall photo shoot went great. I am so excited. I also never said y'all till I moved to New York. I think I didn't have friends from Texas until I went to college and then I started saying y'all. Anyway, um, I am really, really excited about the fall collection and sharing it with all of you. Um, We have an amazing designer named Molly who is going to be working with us um, to fulfill these orders. We're getting to a place now and I'm so, so grateful for this where, um, yeah, where we need help fulfilling these orders for sewing. You know, it's hasn't been sustainable for me to sew all of them for a while now. Um, but we were working with factories and then we kind of hit this point where I was like, the long-term dream is to have a seamstress and a, a pattern maker, someone who has this deep understanding of garment construction and all that. I want to, I want to employ someone full-time one day and have them on staff. And this is the way that, you know, that fashion houses used to be run. And it's, I think it's not a thing anymore. I used to intern for a company called K Unger. And at that time they were like one of the last houses to still do things this way, where they actually have seamstresses and pattern makers in house um, who took care of all of this. And so I want to bring that back because I think it's very personal. I think that it has a lot, it, it leans towards the dignity of the individuality of each human person. So I want to do that. So I'm thinking, you know, 
if that's a long-term goal, why am I spending so much energy trying to f- make it work with factories who are continuously, um, you know, their, their system of working just doesn't work very well with us. They're continuously trying to find ways to squeeze us in and it's not helpful for them. It's not helpful for us um, because we want to do things one at a time. And so this is the the next step towards that is, um, is yeah, is working with a seamstress to do all that. And um, I'm really, really excited about that. I'm also so grateful to everyone who's ordered a cane scarf. Like, y'all, I sat down a couple months ago and I was like, okay, with these double-sided printed scarves, here's the breakdown of how much we make per scarf. Here's our yearly costs right now. Cause we're still a very young company, you know? And I was like, here's how many scarves we need to sell each year to cover our costs at the moment. And that's going to grow as our costs grow. Right. Because as you grow, you know, all that. Um, but I sat down the other day and I did some more calculations of on average, how much we would have to sell, how many scarves we would have to sell per day. And y'all like it's doable. Um, and that's thanks to everyone who has believed in us, who's ordered something from us, who's worn it, who's shared it with other people. Um, it's something that I cannot thank you enough for. Um, and you know, this has been a dream of mine, um, for so long. And I thought I wouldn't get to do litany until I was in my thirties. And this it's really, um, it's really validating and amazing to see this happening now. Um, and yeah. And to see people I've never even met wearing these, like you mean so much to me. Um, and to Lily and to Mary and to sister Maria Dominique. And um, yeah, we're just really grateful that you're here. So thank you for joining me this week. Um, yeah, we'll chat soon. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week for Beyond the Stitch. Our podcast is edited and produced by Doug Cool. Thank you so much, Doug. You're the bomb diggity. Our music is by Trish Vega. You can find her on Spotify. That's T-R-I-S-H. And then Vega, V-E-G-A. We're really grateful to have you here. And you can follow along on all of our chaotic, fun, ridiculous things over on Instagram at litany.nyc and over at our website, www.litanynyc.com. That's L-I-N-Y. 